Welcome to the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast. This is Diane, your lactation consultant. And I'm Abby, the Badass Breastfeeder. And today's episode is brought to you by Rumble Tough. The Rumble Tough Breeze is a top-of-the-line breast pump with a rechargeable battery that fits in the palm of your hand. And today's episode is also brought to you by Larkin. Larkin is a mom-owned line of game-changing maternity and postpartum essentials. We will hear uh, more from our sponsors later, but you can always head to badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com and check out our sponsor page. See if you can give them any of your business because they make this podcast possible. And scroll down into your email address and we'll send episodes straight to your inbox every week and check out our shop page there too because we have cool stuff. And we're on Patreon and we hope you join us there with our um, many, many offers of mini podcasts and ad-free episodes and live Q&As. We're having a lot of fun. We are doing our weekly wellness check-ins where people are sharing things that are going on with them and um, getting advice and just talking with each other. And we really think it's going to be you know an awesome community that is growing. And um, we are also... Oh, you can click the link um, that is right under this episode in the notes, um, wherever you're listening from. The link is also at, on the website, the badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com website. Website. And our, we're hosting our ongoing giveaway. I don't know. Do I need to keep introducing this? Because we're, <sighs> I'll just keep saying that we're doing it. You know, Send us a review. Take a screenshot. Send us your address. And we'll send you a little goodie bag of stickers and cards. You can send that to badassbreastfeedingpodcast at gmail.com. And now Diane has our review of the week. Wow, I finished all of that in like two minutes. I know. That was pretty quick. Holy cow. Um this comes from a mom of two who is breastfed beyond infancy. This podcast is so relevant. Currently, I'm a breastfeeding peer counselor and nursing my second daughter for two years. The podcast brings real information and realistic thoughts that we have all have as nursing mothers. The information is easy to retain and the podcast keeps your attention as it's not strictly a list of facts, but about real life experiences. A worthwhile listen for all moms and direct support professionals working with lactating women. I appreciated this so much, first of all, because she's a peer counselor, and that's kind of where I started my journey as well. But she's also saying here that she appreciates that we don't do just lists of facts, but real life experiences too, because sometimes people don't like the real life experiences and they just want to hear the facts. So I'm really kind of glad to hear her opinion on that. And we like to mix it up here. Obviously, we do like research and we do like facts, but we also do like to hear what other we people don't just list them though. Well. I mean, we're talking. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and we like to know like what other people's experiences are, and especially yeah. like today, like an episode like today, we're going to talk a lot about other people's experiences. This is not going to be a fact based episode at all. Right. right. This is a lot about experiences and like being able to understand other people's experiences yeah, and a shared experience that yeah. we all kind of go through and. Well, we're assuming we all go through. Some people don't. I mean, we are quite in awe of those people. But yeah, but most people do. Um, yeah. So today, so thank you so much for that review because we really appreciate it. And I love it when other like, like lactation support professionals are yeah. listening. I think that's great. So thank you so yeah. much for that. Um, we are going to talk about sex after having a baby. Sort of. Yeah. Right. Or being touched like, out or, or the lack thereof. <laughs> or be, just feeling like or you're just not ugh. having like, 
yeah, unsexy just feeling like, and gross yes, and, and don't touch me right. and yeah. With a usually with a partner that's just like, all right, let's go. Let's well, let's let's have sex. Why aren't we having sex? Yeah. When they have not gone through a whole thing with their body and their hormones and somebody touching them constantly. And then yeah. you're, you know, you're kind of like together, together, together. And then there's this baby. And then you, the one who birthed the baby, goes through so much. And the partner doesn't. I mean, they go through things, sure. But they don't go through it like physically and mentally and emotionally in the way that that you do when you're birthing and breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. And all of those physical and hormonal things just are, you just, yeah, it doesn't feel the same. I mean, your body changes so much. Mm-hmm. It just, I mean, even if you didn't have the hormonal stuff, physically your body changes so much that it's like you got to get used to this different body again too. And some people just don't even feel uncomfortable. They don't even feel comfortable in their own skin anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we have a lot of uh, comments from the internet. I asked people to share their stories. And so I feel like this is just a nice way for people to feel like they're not alone because this can feel really isolating. Um, And uh, yeah, so I'm going to share. Here's one, the first comment. How is someone not touched out when breastfeeding at least one, and in my case, two children, one of those even at night? The partner travels a lot, sleeps whole nights quietly in large, empty hotel beds without (laughs) crying children, and yet again, another fever or worse, nursing nervously because the boobies still because the booby still the pain of teething stills the pain of teething or illness. I am just hurting physically from wrong sleeping position, lack of actual sleep and rest, traumatic labor. Many doctors and hours of physical therapy did help a little, but the pain remains and carrying children up and down the stairs, working, sitting behind the desk doesn't help either so much on your shoulders to carry. And even on vacation, you're full of children clinging to you at all times. That is a really good point. When you have kids, yeah. vacations aren't vacations. That no, is like you're, just, you're working. There it's was 10 a, times harder. It is. And there was a friend of mine one time who said this, and I thought it was perfectly, it was great. Like her husband at the time, they since separated. But he um, complained about them being on vacation and how difficult it was with the kids. And she said, basically, we're just parenting in a different place. That's what it comes down to. With kids who are out of their routine Mm -hmm. and like overstimulated, like it's worse. It is. It is. And you're still trying to keep up the same, the same parenting. Yeah. You're still trying to, you know, keep your, your same rules and your same structure. And especially like, oh my God throw in a place like Disney or something where everybody's overstimulated like crazy. I don't understand why people go there. I know, I know that's like the unpopular opinion, but like, I just cannot (laughs) even imagine wanting to go there. I know people that go there multiple times every year. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's so much. It's not a vacation. It's so much work. I, my, we, I was supposed to go out and our plans fell through because my neighbors, um, basement flooded but i was supposed to go out to dinner with a couple of my neighbors last night and i was like 
so dreading it. I was like, I have to go outside and then like go <laughs> to a restaurant and then like sit there. I was like, so it was so big to me. Mm-hmm. And then people just go to Disney. Anyway, that's not what this is about. <laughs> I know. But she's got a point. Like, how are you supposed to, you know, feel like you're in the mood to do anything? Right. And and your partner, too. Like, your partner goes back to work. Your partner is doing the same job. Their life routine is the same. You know, so they're just not... They're, they're just... Like, you end up on very, very different pages. And they're usually well-rested because they're sleeping through the night. And it's just you're 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 just worlds away now. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, this person says, yes, every day by the end of it, I'm so touched out from breastfeeding and then got the four year old. My honey doesn't get it. Why I don't want him touching me all the time. Then you feel bad. But I also just really just want alone time. I never get I never win. That's so true. Yeah. You just want to, it's like at the end of the day, oh, the kids are asleep. All right, let's snuggle. It's like, no, what? The kids yeah. are finally asleep. Let me sit here with nobody touching me and nobody talking to me and nobody around. Like just, you know, you're just like I have such a different like thing at the end of the day. And there's no way to prepare for this, by the way. No, there's like, not. Like don't feel like you somehow like are disappointing anybody. Because there's no way to prepare for this. You're, you might be thinking, even when you're pregnant, oh my gosh, I can't wait. And da, 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 da. And, you know, like, especially like, oh my gosh, when your kids are like newborns and you're like, I can't wait till they're a little bit older. They can talk to me. They can tell me what they need. And then you're like, oh my God, stop talking to me. Like, just stop. <laughs> like, stop following yep. me everywhere. Yep. They're following you everywhere you go. You can't go to the bathroom by yourself. You can't do any of these things. And then you finally get them in bed and you have, you know, you're going to have like an hour or two before somebody's up again needing something. Yeah. Which of course is going to be your responsibility, most likely. And you have a partner who's like, okay, let's take advantage of this time. Yeah, no. I don't even, I mean, I'm, I am I call myself eight and a half years postpartum because <laughs> I think it's funny. <laughs> but seriously, like if, if a child comes up to me and lays their head like on my chest, like I, I feel like jumping out of my skin. Like they're like, they're because they're near my boob. Mm-hmm. Like I just, mm-hmm. that nursing aversion feeling comes back just immediately. And I'm just like, ah, I have to like put my hand over my boob so that they can put their head down. And then you get in the car with my kids and they're like, what about this? Why is this? Why that? Why? We don't know. Why? And, and I'm like, oh my God. I, yeah. They don't ever stop talking. And then at the end of the day, we, I put the kids to bed and go downstairs. You know, we usually like turn the TV on and watch our shows, you know, that I always talk about. Yeah. And, and then Josh is like, oh, Today was really stressful. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Stop talking. Get a therapist. <laughs> just shut up. Everyone, stop. <laughs> I know. So, I, I mean, that's it. like even beyond having a baby. Like, you know, you're just like, it's just so much. Mm-hmm. It's so much. And I, I was talking to my neighbor about, I know we have more things to read, but I also have so many spirit. My, my, I was talking to my neighbor who, um, they're good friends of mine, but. She has little kids and and she was talking about how um her you know they they have this really old dog that has to has to go out now in the middle of the night so like 
you know, she has to get up and the husband's like usually sleeping on the couch and she's just like, okay, I'm just going to get up. I'm just going to go up instead of like causing all these issues. Like, and then, you know, like he comes up behind her and he's like, you know, kissing her neck and he's like, Hey baby. And she's like, ah, you know, (laughs) stop. And then he's just like, what man, you're pushing me away. Like all this. And, and, and it's like, but I'm so tired. And like, I'm doing all of this stuff and I'm so tired and I'm all this. And like, you don't like, it's, you, you don't get it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, it, it ends up feeling like somebody's violating your boundaries. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Pushing those buttons and violating your boundaries. Yep. Okay. So where are we? All right. My kids are three and 18 months. I'm a stay-at-home mom who is constantly touched out and needed, touched and needed. I love my babies, but by the end of the day, the last thing I want to do is hug my husband or have sex. I'm exhausted. He gets angry and frustrated, and I don't know what to do. His love language is physical touch, and mine is definitely acts of service. I will be listening to this episode for advice. Okay, so there is so much of this talk of love language these days. You know, there's Mm -hmm. like what your love language is. There's like acts of service and physical touch. Attention and and gifts and... Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There's a whole list of them. And I don't know what mine is, but I know it's not touch. That's all I know. Like I can just cross them off and say, that's not it. Um, I've always... I've never been like a big touchy person. Yeah. Um, But... uh. I, and what's the deal with men? Because I feel like all men is physical touch. Like, are we not touching our little boy babies enough? I don't know. So when they get home or get older, they need to just be touched all the time. But I feel like that's a thing. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I don't know. But it just feels like that's all the thing. That's like men is always physical touch. Um. But yeah, so I don't, I mean, I don't know if I even have any advice for you, but like, you're not alone. And this is where really good communication is going to come in. Like, Mm. really, because this is what we do too. And this is what my neighbor was doing, right? She was like, taking the dog out. She was doing all of these things where like, she could have, she could be asking for help. She could be waking him up and being like, you need to take a turn. You need to, you know, this and whatever. But like, we don't want to do that. It seems like it seems like it's easier to just do it. It's, uh, you know, we'll just get it out of the way, whatever. We'll just we're so used to doing everything. Right. And then we just build up so much resentment. We build up so much fatigue. And then like our partner just doesn't get it. And this is I, when I think this is when you find out whether you're friends with your partner or not. Yeah. Like this is your partner. Are you also friends? I, don't I had know. a client, this is where I we had find a client out. once who um it's a really good point. And I had this client once who I saw her like it was right after the baby was born, like within the first week, I think. No, maybe the baby was still in the hospital. And so it was very early, first week or two. And she told me that she had sex as soon as she went got home from the hospital. Because she didn't want her partner to have to wait too long. Oh, God. And that is definitely falls under the category of doing something for somebody else that you might resent later on. Absolutely. 
you know, like this is not about that other person. This is about a partnership and there has to be understanding there. There has to be like, it's totally. And if there's not, I mean, there's, that's just not, that's not okay. No, no, absolutely not. Um, but it's, and it is really easy to just kind of say, look, I just stopped touching me without having that conversation. And then, yeah, then there are going right. to be some like, cause I think like partners, a lot of times they don't understand, like they take it personally, right? They like, take it personally. They think there's something wrong with them. You don't want anything to do with them anymore. You don't find them attractive anymore. Like they just, right. cause they're not right. in your position. They don't understand. They don't get it. That so you have to have this thing. conversation. Yeah. I mean, that's a big thing in my house too, is just like not like, are, oh, you're not attracted to me anymore. You don't, you know, you're not this. And it's like, this isn't even about you. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is straight up not about you. And you have like, you have to explain that. Yeah. But I just want to say that my, my actually just brought me a pancake. Oh, they're like making pancakes upstairs, upstairs, I guess. And he snuck in here and he was like tiptoeing, tiptoeing. And they put the pancake on the desk and then walked out. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, should we, we should take, take a, break? a break? Yeah, yeah, we should take a break. All right. We will be right back with more being touched out and complaining. Today's episode is brought to you by Rumble Tough. The Rumble Tough Breeze is a top-of-the-line breast pump with a rechargeable battery that fits in the palm of your hand. The powerful motor lasts 2,000-plus hours and has a two-year warranty. The memory button allows you to record your most effective pumping session and recall it every time you want. Combine the Breeze with the Rumble Tough Go Cups and you're pumping hands-free and on the go. Every Rumble Tough Pump user qualifies for free pumping support with an IBCLC because they care. Each pump comes with a manual handle kit to convert your electric pump into a manual pump at no extra cost. You should not have to figure it out alone. Let experts help you get the support you deserve. Additionally, every pump box includes a flange fit ruler so you can determine which of the 15 flanges they offer will fit you best. Yes, nipple size matters. Check out their entire line at RumbleTuff, that's R-U-M-B-L-E-T-U-F-F dot com, and use code BADASS for 20% off your purchase. And today's episode is also brought to you by Larkin. Larkin is a mom-owned line of game-changing maternity and postpartum essentials designed to make your life easier and more comfortable. In particular, their Larkin X all-in-one nursing and hands-free pumping bra is a totally different take on the traditional nursing and pumping bra. The first of its kind, it's made without any irritating elastic, awkward holes, snaps, zippers, clips, or other hardware that you can, so you can comfortably wear it all day and night without ever having to change bras or to nurse or pump. This thing is awesome. I have to interrupt this ad <laughs> to give a personal <laughs> ad of how cool this is. You have to see how it works. It's really hard to explain. It's like two layers that you crisscross and you make it into an X and it's nothing. It's just fabric. Um, it's buttery, soft, stretchy fabric, won't irritate or stick to your sensitive skin, and it is machine washable. Check out the Larkin X bra and the rest of their incredibly cozy must-haves at Shop Larkin, L-A-R-K-E-N, shoplarkin.com or check out their Instagram at larkin underscore shop and use code badass for 10% off of your order. 
And our uh, sponsors and the promo codes can be found in the show notes under this episode from, from wherever you're listening from or at badassbestfeedingpodcast.com. And at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com, you'll also find all of our other episodes and information about scheduling your very own one-on-one online lactation consultation with Diane. And I'm going to say, uh, I'll read a couple more com- a couple more, so we can uh, talk. Uh, I'm a stay-at-home mom and hubby works at least five days a week, sometimes more. I'm super touched out by bedtime and understandably he wants to cuddle. We also bed share my baby cuddles up to me as well. I just get extremely hot super easily and cannot cuddle for very long. I barely even want covers touching me. It's rough. He understands, thankfully, and we both know that this too shall pass. Well, that's nice that he understands. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have, uh, I have a couple, I have so many to read. I'm just going to keep reading. Um, And we have this person. I'm just going to keep them all anonymous. I don't know. I'll just do that. Um, This person has a slightly different take. I was not touched out and actually wanted more physical touch that was pouring back into me, if that makes sense. I was more interested in back rubs, having my hair touched, hugs, cuddling, etc. with my husband than not. Maybe I was just especially, maybe I just especially hated being touched while pregnant, but after I was quite the opposite. I also found a lot of autonomy in nursing and it gave me a lot of room to feel safe physically by sharing my body with another little person. I did have to manage the mental exhaustion and mental load through more easy meal planning, letting go of some household chores, handing off other chores to my spouse. I think I'm the odd one out, but I figured it was worth sharing. Now, a couple of things. So it is true that many people, especially people with histories of like sexual abuse, will and can have found empowerment, you know, through the breastfeeding relationship have kind of come to terms again, healed this relationship with their body. And that's amazing. And so I can see how like that would maybe make you feel like, okay, I'm, I am safe. I can be touched, you know, without having to feel threatened or, um, and so that is something I'm not saying that this person has a history of sexual abuse. I don't know. I'm just saying that that's something that, that does happen. Um, and also, this person seems to have managed a lot of the exhaustion with the meal planning and letting go of chores and handing off the chores. There seems to be a lot of cooperation there, which might not be happening in a lot of places. I think that's a really hard thing for a lot of people to do, especially yeah. if you have a husband that works all the time. You're the one that's home. I think we automatically feel like we should be doing all the things. And that is not true. Taking care of kids is a full-time job. Um, there's no reason why your, your partner can't come home and help in the evening as well. But we don't like to say those things. No, we either. don't. Because we think like, well, you have to get up and go to your job. So you shouldn't have to get up in the middle of the night and you shouldn't have to do household chores. And that's a bunch of bullshit. That's like, yeah. that's totally like traditional gender role bullshit and like capitalist bullshit. Like the person that's who exactly, works is the yeah. one. What? Yeah, that's exactly how I felt with the twins. Yeah, me too. I was I like, felt that oh, way too. Let you know, I'll let him sleep. I'll get up during the night. He's the one that's got to go to work and work all day. Well, what was I doing? I had three kids under three. Like, yeah. there's what that doesn't what count as work, right? We don't see that as work because it doesn't right. generate money and it doesn't support like the capitalist workforce. Know, yeah, yeah, right. The mm-hmm. workforce. So then you're not as important, right? Exactly. All right. Um, let me read some more. I actually didn't know this was a thing with our first child. 
It happened naturally. I uh, Apparently, it was going on for a while, but I wasn't aware of it. I gave our child 100% of me, and there was zero left for my partner and myself. Well, he finally found the words to express that he was feeling alone and feared that I didn't want him anymore. He also discovered touch was a love language for him, see? And mm. we talked about how each of us felt and what we could do for each other to help. He is a great hands-on dad, but considering I was breastfeeding, co-sleeping, stay-at-home mom, it was a lot. So he took on more of our child, more with our child, baths, breakfast, daddy-son adventures, and helped me create the time where I could get away by myself to recharge and just breathe. And wouldn't you know it, I was able to receive touch and be intimate more. It wasn't a perfect science, but talking about it and being aware of it helped us work through it. The conversation is really important to have. It might yeah. be uncomfortable, but it's really important to have. And we also have to remember like all the other like kind of postpartum mental health stuff that we've talked about before. If you have a history of, you know, whatever your history is, you likely found a way either in a healthy way or in an unhealthy way to manage in life, right? Whatever it is, you just learn how to manage, you would cope, you adapt. This is what humans do. And having a baby usually throws that into, you know, uh, chaos and your previous coping skills just aren't working anymore or you can't do them or, you know, everything is just like all churned up again. And if you do have, you know, if you do have just a lot of people, especially in our country, have t a lot of intimacy problems, you know, because we are, you know, we're good. I, I can go on, I'll go on all day about how we treat our babies affects how mm -hmm. we are later in life. And we know that this is how we treat our babies in our culture is just like, you know, leaving them to cry and this kind of stuff. And if you have that in your history, then you're likely that could be triggered up. That could be triggered again. You know, it's like, just don't touch me. It's not safe. I don't, I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm not emotionally available for you. You know, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Am I just talking about me? <laughs> just me? <laughs> no. <sighs> totally get it. Okay. Totally so here's it. another person. Since he'll never read my review, I'll just share it here. <laughs> we haven't figured it out. Two kids later, my kids are currently three and one, and I only learned that being touched out is an actual thing, and I'm not crazy. Even though I work, work part-time, I still get super overwhelmed at home because I don't get the support. I need from my spouse, and it has only brought resentment and disappointment. Physical touch is definitely not my love language. I'm comforted in knowing I'm not the only one having these emotions after having children. It ain't mine either, sister. I'm glad that she said she's comforted in knowing that she's not the only one. Yeah, and also I think that's really we, important too. We also live in this like right this like hyper sexualized culture, like where where. You know, your body parts are hypersexualized, like your behavior. You know, we're supposed to be these, like, you know, like huh, lusting, you know, drooling for men, you know, sexual objects all the time. And if you're not just like dying to like have a man inside you, then there's something wrong with you. Right. It's like, oh my God. You know, sometimes yeah. no. It's, yeah, no. 
I just, I, yeah, I don't, I basically did not have any kind of sexual relationship with my ex-husband after the kids were born. Like it just wasn't there. You know, it just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 yeah. And I think from, here's the other thing. Speaking of like coming home and wanting to have sex the same day you gave birth, my husband was traumatized. Mm-hmm. Like watching me give birth to Jack in the hospital, the whole thing was traumatizing, but also watching and watching him standing there watching me and being helpless. Like he can't, you know, he can't do anything. All these people have their hands and their things inside me and I'm screaming and bleeding. And he was like, not, he was like, yeah, that's not, that was not the first thing on his mind. Right. You know, that was not, he was, we both came back. We both, we looked like we'd been in a car accident. Yeah. You know, we were just like stunned, traumatized. And, you know, it didn't, it wasn't for a while where the um, imbalance started happening. Cause I was also like, I had, I had an episiotomy, so I had stitches. Mm. Um, and, you know, I was, I was afraid to look. I, I was like, I had, you know, I wanted to look with a mirror. Oh, to see what it looked like. That. But I was so scared. Yeah. To do it. And I was like, that's not, that's an exit. That is not, that's not an entrance anymore. That is purely an exit. And that's over. That part of my life is over. I'm never having sex ever again. Look at what it leads to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then it was, it was pretty quick where we, we um, wanted to try for another baby, which I don't understand where this is just goes to show that humans are just like wired to reproduce because there was no reason for us to want to have another child at that point. But that just that the instinct kicked in and then you're, then you're just, and then you spent however, however long it took you to have that baby is how long you were having sex purely to try to get pregnant. Right. Cause right. you're having, you're just like a recreational activity until it's like, okay, I want to have a baby. Then there's a little bit more business. Mm-hmm. Then you're like, you know, it's not as spontaneous because you're like tracking your ovulation. You're depending on how hard it is for you to get pregnant. You might be, you know, you've got it on a calendar. You're like, we need to have sex this at Friday night at this time or, you know, Wednesday at noon. You need to come home from work so we can have sex. And it's not like it's totally different. It's a completely different thing. And then you have to switch. At some point, you're trying to switch back to just like, I'm just doing this for the joy of it. But like, where's the joy? You know, I'm right. so exhausted. I'm so hormonal. I'm so I have zero. You need you have zero libido. Yeah. You know, that the blue, the, 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 just the sexual drive in and of itself isn't even there. And, right. uh, yeah. And it always surprises me, like when people have kids that are really close in age. Yeah. And cause you know, a lot of times that's not planned. Yeah. And I don't mean right. close in age, like close in age, like within two years. I mean, like, right. like my, like two Irish of twins. my bonus kids are Irish twins. Yeah. They're, they're the same age at, you know, a certain part of, certain time of the year they're the same age as each other so there is less than a year between them and i'm always like how did you do that like did you have sex the minute you came home from the hospital i don't understand what happened there (laughs) like what because that is mind-boggling to me and i know people that are like that yeah because it had to have been like three months yeah if they're the same age at some point during the year yeah yeah wow 
All right. I like this uh, comment. We didn't manage. We had to throw in. I ha- had to throw him to the bin. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? They got divorced. Oh, I did that. I threw one to the bin. Yeah. They didn't manage. They didn't manage. They got divorced. It's over. And that happens a lot, too. And not to scare you. But yeah, this is a time where divorce rates are pretty high. Yeah. And it's not just because of the sex stuff. It's really not. No, it's because of everything. It's because of everything. The the, the heightened stress level and probably, you know, issues before that we were ignoring or. Yeah. I mean, I don't want people to think like how I say, oh, yeah, my ex-husband and I, our sex life was over. Like that's. It wasn't strong before that. So it's, yeah, you know, right. like there, there was, was a definitely problematic problems from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, it was problematic from the beginning. But um, when people get married for various reasons, but that's a different podcast. So <laughs> it really, yeah, it just exacerbates it to the fact where you're just like, this isn't where I want to be anymore. You know? Yeah. So we throw them to the bin. Yep. That's um, okay. So. This next one says, oh, man, it was a constant fight between me and my ex. (laughs) Our love languages were very different. Mine is acts of service and his is, you guessed it, physical touch. When I told him I was touched out, he told me that he was insulted that I didn't make more time for him. I tried to explain that our baby needed food, touch and love, all of which was on me. He still didn't understand. How did I figure it out? Gave into it and just became submissive. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why he's my ex now. My current fiance realizes that my daughter, now seven, has been super clingy. He isn't. He understands and respects that I get overwhelmed and with touch. He even helps to keep her at bay. It's a lovely balance and I love touch again. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like you're pressuring somebody into it. There's nowhere for them to go. You back somebody into a corner. They can submit or just reject, you know, and it's like if you back off, if you just back off and try to be a little more understanding then somebody might, you know, you might come, you might come around again. You can't give if you're just constantly being, you know, hounded. Oh, and if you submit, eventually you're going to reject. Oh, that is just, yeah, that's just, that's, yeah, that is the fastest way to resentment okay this is the last one okay expecting in about five weeks with our first and would say this is my biggest fear my husband's love language is physical touch and mine is not i'm going to look forward to this episode episode okay well sorry (laughs) it's probably not great news (laughs) i just start talking now yeah i would say start talking now I think a lot of partners figure that once a baby's born, you're going to go back to feeling the way you were before. Yeah. You're go actually, back to the way it was. Your sex life was, what was it like before you were pregnant? And that's how it's going to be again. And it's like, it's might not be, there's a very high chance that it would not be. Yeah. And they don't remember, know that. I was hanging out with this woman once and she was like, um, she said that her husband was like looking at her across the room one time and was like, when's it going to go back to normal? And she's like, what do you mean? He's like, your body. When's it going to go back to normal? <gasps> oh my God. I was like, oh my God. I had a partner actually say something like that to me once. Like when I was a peer counselor and I was at somebody's house 
And the dad was like, how old are your kids? And I, I don't know, they were probably three or four or five or whatever they were at that point. They were super young. And he was like, oh, I just was wondering, like, at what point was she going to look like you? Like in front of her. Ew. I was like mortified. It's just like. That is disgusting. It's awful. But your body is different now. And mine yeah. was too. But it and still is different than what it was before I had kids. And it's always going to be. Like it just changes. And also now it's a body that nourishes another life. Yeah. I mean, that is like, that's, that's just, I don't think, I mean, there's no help in that relationship. That's not even no. a situation. Like that's not a situation where you can like apologize to me later. No. You know, like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm sorry I said that. I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. No. That's like, you can't come back from that. No. No. So, and it's yeah. just, I've, I've heard people say to me too, before too, oh, he just doesn't like my body anymore. That, I mean, like, what? Right. What did he think? That you guys were going to just stay young forever? <laughs> like, even if you didn't have kids, like, you're going to get older. You're going to look different. Hormones change your body, too. Not yeah. just having kids. Right. Like. Yeah. Hey, have you seen, like, 80-year-olds lately? They don't <laughs> look like 20-year-olds. Right. They just don't. Exactly. They just look different. I, I don't know what people are thinking. What, stop marrying these people, too. Can we stop marrying these people? Because it just makes them feel like it's okay to be like this. Stop marrying them. What happened to your friend or that person that you know? Did you know like what happened with them afterwards? Oh, I don't know. I didn't. She actually also said something racist. And I was like, we can't be friends. Oh. (laughs) So we didn't. She was like, yeah. You had to break up with her. I did. She was like somebody I met on the internet. And then like we had like similar age babies. So we like met in the park. And then. Um, she told me that story and I was like, holy shit. And then she said something racist about people like black people in the park. And I was like, yeah, we're not, <laughs> I don't think that we're this, we're not, we're not on the same gonna page work out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know what happened to her, but, um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how, how do people, I just could not. No, I couldn't. I couldn't. I don't know how we can be in a relationship like with like that. Don't you feel unsafe? Your partner should appreciate what your body is doing. Your partner should just appreciate. How do you get married and like and like have somebody have like somebody have your baby and you know you go through all these times with them. You're like puking in front of each other. People get sick. You know, like how Mm -hmm. do you go through like the the really nitty gritty of life with somebody? It was like nitpicking your body. Right. No. It's not no okay. way. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. Anyway. So, yeah, that's not okay. I, I, and I, don't, I don't think we, I have great advice. But I definitely think having a conversation and just being really, really open and having a conversation, like, instead of just letting the resentment kind of build up and, you know, because your partner likely feels rejected they feel like they don't understand what's going on like you understand what's going on with you but they don't understand the amount of change and you know that that's happening they -hmm. just don't know and so having that conversation and like couples counseling is a really good idea 
You might think like, oh, well, you can only, you only go to couples counseling if you're like going to get divorced. And if you're, you know, we're, we're not having that level of problems because of course, any kind of counseling or mental health assistance is taboo and you're seen as weak or whatever, but that's not the case. This is somebody who can just like help you have a conversation. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's important. And if you're pregnant, have the conversation now. Like things might not be the same afterwards. Are you okay with that? How are we going to deal with it? What is this going to look like for you after the baby's born? What are you expecting? Maybe their expectations are just like, you know, beyond yours and you need to have that conversation now. I mean, it's yeah, and I think important. it's like it is one of those things that's really abstract. If you're pregnant, the whole situation is it's still very abstract. You 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 don't know what's about to happen. Right. Not to, not to sound scary, but like it's just hard to understand what's about to happen. Uh, especially if you've never been through it before. You just it's you don't you it's hard to know. But, 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 you know, hearing this and maybe, maybe having your partner listen to this episode too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can, you know, when you're, when you're in it, you can go, oh my God. Oh, wow. Now I understand what those people were talking about. Yeah, absolutely. But good luck. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.